That's what makes us tough. We keep a coming. We're the people that live. They can't wipe us out. They can't lick us. The change has started, and the change in Detroit is real. We're back! Yeah, yeah, yeah! yeah. Detroit, Michigan! Here, you can actually see what you do affect a great American city, and it's, it's hopefully historical comeback. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit. Hi, this is Paul W. Smith. We'll say hello today to Joe Curry, Executive Fitness and Nutrition Advisor for Rock Ventures. Also checking in with husband and wife team Michael and Blagitza Botoliero from Bottles Nation. And we're back with Olivia Gooderson, the artist. All important topics all about Detroit, all about you and opportunity. Up next. Detroit, Michigan. Joe Curry is executive fitness and nutrition advisor for Rock Ventures. Along with his master's degree in exercise physiology from Wayne State University and over 30 years in the fitness industry, Joe is a certified strength and conditioning specialist and certified personal trainer through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Additionally, Joe is a certified precision nutrition level two coach and a certified functional movement practitioner. He joined the Rocket family of companies in April of 2019 as the executive fitness and nutrition advisor. Do people over there at Rock realize how lucky they are, uh, Joe, and that most companies don't have an executive fitness and nutrition advisor? Hello. It's becoming more popular than you might think. Uh, I, I I love my role there, and people are receptive to it. Um, we have a whole wellness department that that um, works toward the big picture of health and wellness for everybody. So the fact that I'm there and I'm part of that team and, and they, they have that, that, that is, that's a little bit of a unique aspect of it. And I, I hope that people, we always encourage people to take advantage of, of the opportunities and the resources we provide. So uh, hopefully they, they appreciate it and make use of it. Well, I appreciate you and the fact that you've taken on two of the most complex, m- most difficult uh, issues in most people's lives, and that is getting us to exercise regularly and improving the way we eat. We all know we need to do both of those things, but easier said than done. Absolutely. Uh, there's, 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 not, there's no lack of information, uh, especially with, with technology and the internet and everything. People are inundated with different exercise programs and nutritional programs and the trends that come and go. And, and it's sometimes overwhelming to the point where people don't know what their next step is. Um, so in the last few years, my passion and my interest has been toward the behavioral aspect of how do we take all this information and turn it into application in the context of that particular person's life. Everybody's got different things going on, different challenges, different obligations. So how do we, so I like, to think of myself as a problem solver. How do we take this information and turn it into a real world application? And that that that's what gets me out of bed every morning. That's what fires me up. If I can solve that problem for somebody or a group of people, uh, it, it makes me, it brings me great joy. Well, uh, that's the key to success in life, to take 
uh, information and turn it into real action. And, and then, therefore, in this case, we're improving our health, our fitness, uh, frankly, within the context of our own lives and what we yeah. can what we can actually accomplish. Uh, give me a little bit more about yourself and your background, Joe. I'm a lifelong Metro Detroiter. Uh, when I was in my real, up until I was 10 years old, lived in Redford Township. Then we moved to Novi. Uh, back when Novi was kind of small, when it's grown to quite a bit different at this point. Um, my, as you said in the intro, my uh, undergrad and graduate work are in uh, in the science of nutritional science, exercise science, um, and management within within that field. Uh, like, like you said, I've been doing this type of thing for over 30 years, uh, different capacities, working in health clubs and the management aspect and, and also working in private training, group training, fitness coaching, nutrition coaching. And it's kind of, I try to use that field as a, you know, to help people move forward in, in a development, personal development aspect, um, because it's something that everyone can relate to and it's something everybody wants to work toward. And it, I think it carries over into other, every other aspect of life. So that my, like I said earlier, my passion is to get people to improve from the inside out. So they, it, it carries over and they, and they, they gain strength uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, and it applies across the board. Just by dint of what you do, you've heard all the excuses. Mm-hmm. And as a people, we can come up with lots of doozies. Is there one excuse you hear the most or one that's been <laughs> maybe turned out to be kind of the funniest to you? An excuse as to why uh, somebody feels they don't need to eat properly or to exercise or any of the things that we all know we're supposed to be doing to take care of ourselves? Well, it's funny when I do hear those things, I, my, there's a, there's a little voice in the back of my head that said, are you trying to convince me or you're trying to convince yourself? Cause I don't think that people, when they come up with that stuff, really believe what they're saying. I, I, they're trying to justify the fact that they may not be doing it or, or, or trying to let themselves off the hook a little bit. But I think deep down, they know that, that something, if it's not happening, that there's some effort needs to be put into that. Um, so change is hard. I mean, the human brain and, and everything, they like things the way they are. Even if it's not ideal, it, it's comfortable. So right. making change is not easy. So when uh, it, it requires a lot of mindfulness and a lot of focused effort and strategies to, so that you can set yourself up for success and so you, so you can actually make a change and move forward. Well, it's all, in the end, it becomes behavioral modification um, it, when you consider uh, a habit is just that. It's a habit. could be a bad habit. It's time to replace the bad habits with some good habits. That's probably the only way that we'd be able to continue to do that. Um, it, when you talk, uh, we've got Joe Curry with us on Opportunity Detroit Executive Fitness and Nutrition Advisor for all of Rock Ventures. When When you talk about wellness joe what what are you seeing what what is wellness to you that's a great question i think many people look at wellness and and the first thing they think of is uh regular exercise eating right and keeping up with your doctor's appointments checkups and 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 regular scheduled intervals 
I look at it as a much bigger picture and within the, within the family of companies we do as well. Um, so we have every month we have a, a, an emphasis on a particular aspect of thing, of wellness that people may not consider. Um, one month we have, it's a financial well-being and a financial wellness aspect. And there's another month with mental health awareness and mental health wellness, uh, environmental well-being, community and social well-being. And then there's the physical activity aspect of it and the nutritional aspect. And then we also have a, a month that's focused uh, on family. And these all are part of the bigger picture of wellness. Um, you can't disconnect emotional from physical and uh, how the brain functions and how the body relates to it. And, and it's, it's all connected. So leaving any of those stones unturned, I, I think you're missing an opportunity uh, for the big picture of deep health and, and deep wellness. So we like to address them all and some of them apply more to some people than others do based, based on what's going on in their life. So uh, wellness to me is a big picture of it all. There's a spiritual aspect, an emotional aspect, a physical aspect, um, and I think they all need to be addressed. Joe Curry with us and helping us create habits that stick and stay on track. Uh, any tips on how to do that, especially when life gets stressful, which seems to happen more and more to more and more of us? Yeah, this is see this is this this is my thing lately. I'm, I'm this is what I really get passionate about. Um, I study it, and important thing that comes up often is people, and it always happens. You hear about the New Year's resolutions thing, and people are going to make these wholesale changes. Um, they're setting themselves up for failure uh, because they're trying to change too many things. And when this perfect plan that they were all fired up about starts to go bad or something gets in the way or some unforeseen event comes along, then they want to scrap the whole thing. A better approach is to pick one thing. Pick one habit that you think needs to be addressed and that you feel with, a, with focus and a level of confidence that you can do that. And you can consistently repeat that till it becomes, like you said, till it becomes like a habit. And once you get dialed in on that, then pick the next one. So if you look at your big picture goal and you kind of look, look at what skills do I need to make that happen. Um, and the funny thing in my field, which I don't see happen anywhere else, is people think, uh, this week, well, I'm going to start eating better and exercising, and I'm going to start next week, and they expect it to be perfect next week because they think it's all about sheer, sheer willpower and grinding it out and everything. There's skills involved in making that happen. So uh, if you were to pick up a guitar and think you're going to be, you know, play a, a great song a few days after you picked it up, that's unlikely, or pick up golf game or something like that. This is the same thing. There's skills involved. So if you identify what skills need to take place, to get that habit into action and work toward that, pick one thing at a time, get, get confident with it, and then add another thing. And you might think, well, that's going to take a long time, but it's, it, it doesn't because you're, you're setting a lifelong behavior into action that you can continue to repeat. And I, I always say the good plan that you can follow is far better than the perfect plan that you have to quit. So it's hmm. figure out what, you know, is doable in your life, work on it consistently. And when the stress comes along, give yourself permission to back down a little bit. You don't have to be going full force at it all the time. If you want to back it down and when other things come along or other priorities jump in the way, but just keep working towards something, do the best you can 
with what you have currently available, whether it be energy, resources, and do what you can. And then when that time comes and you're able to commit more to it, get back to it. But always something. Adopt an always something mindset so that you're not starting and stopping, starting and stopping. Because all you do by doing that is it's like you're practicing starting and stopping and you get really good at it. It's not necessarily a skill you want to build. So I would go with one habit at a time. Give yourself permission to make adjustments as you go and just keep moving forward. Whether you're moving fast, whether you're moving slow, just keep moving forward. A quick, a quick question before I let you go, Joe. With folks sure. returning back to the office, sometimes kicking and screaming, but folks returning back to the <laughs> office, what are some of the things that they should look out for? Well, hopefully during this time, like everybody's been working from home, that's something, and, and it's completely changed everybody's routines. Everybody had to make adjustments and, and hopefully developed some skills maybe they didn't have. I mean, they're cooking a little bit more. Maybe they're, uh, you know, finding more time for activity. So if you can take some of the good things you got out of this whole situation and keep keep up with that to some degree, maybe it's not at the same level, but if you've been doing a little bit of food prep and you're capable of you know putting some food together and taking it instead of going out to lunch, if you found ways to get out and move around more, I see a lot more people were walking during the COVID situation. Maybe you could find time to walk a little bit more when you're in your work environment. Use the stairs if you can park a little further away, get in some extra steps. So if you look around, you'll see some opportunities and to, to carry on some of the good habits you developed during the pandemic. So take that adverse situation and then pull a good, few good things out of it and put them into action as you get back to uh, your work environment. Joe Curry, Executive Fitness and Nutrition Advisor for Rock Ventures. Thanks for the help, Joe. We appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. In fact, it, we continue on the opportunity. Opportunity Detroit. Next up on Opportunity Detroit, an artist of note, Olivia Gooderson. Uh, she uh, lives and works right here in Detroit. In 2020, she curated her first exhibition, The Space Between at the Ann Arbor Art Center. Uh, she is presently doing work. Uh, her work has been shown at the Museum of Contemporary Art, Detroit, the Arab American National Museum, Art Week Miami. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. And uh, it's a, really a, a pleasure to welcome the founding member of Art Mama's Alliance. Uh, Olivia, welcome to the program. And what is Art Mama's Alliance? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Paul. Uh, it is a community of creative moms uh, that are figuring out how to navigate the world of being a mother and an artist. And uh, it's a really supportive constellation of mothers around around the country that are just kind of collaborating and, and talking through the different um, challenges that we face in holding both those roles together. You know, it's funny, Olivia. Sometimes it's all said in the name. <laughs> and the name is... <laughs> Art Mama's Alliance, and it's exactly <laughs> what one would have guessed, although I never guessed that there was such an alliance. How did that come together? Yeah, uh, I think really during um, these, like, COVID days of, of just kind of, like, being in isolation, uh, I think for parenting people, the isolation was a little bit deeper, and I think also for creatives, um, a lot of us, you know, work by ourselves anyhow, and so trying to figure out how do we 
bridge the gaps between this, this virtual world that we're existing in and really have conversations around like the unique space that we're in. And so it kind of emerged out of that and it has just grown and grown and grown. And um, each week we have like different topics of things that we're talking about, whether it's raising teenage children or like in my case, being a new mom. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think being able to share resources is so important, especially as creatives and especially as parents. The artist Olivia Gutterson with us here on Opportunity Detroit. Olivia, tell us a bit more about yourself. Yeah, um, I live here in Detroit. I am a mother, an artist, a muralist. Uh, I'm also a tech investor and a past kind of tech entrepreneur. You're a tech investor and past tech entrepreneur who found apparently your calling in something that is so different from tech, at least the way I see it, something that is more heart-based than brain-based in the world of art. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, both um, always kind of coexisted for me, but I think being um, being so heavily in like kind of the corporate world, innovating uh, and collaborating in that way, I always needed an outlet. And so for me, it was art. Um, and a huge part of like my creative practice is like being very like meditative and really going and doing deep work. And so I do a lot of work that's like really intricate and works with patterns. Um, and in the tech space, I was also working a lot with like data and um, different analytics. And so both of these, my creative practice and my tech practice were really detail focused. Uh, so I was able to find flow in both of those. But now I get to focus most of my energy on art and I feel really grateful and blessed to be able to do that. How old is your baby? Uh, my son, Nalo, is almost a year old, which is wild to me. I, I, I find that amazing. Uh, and doing what you're doing, did having your first child change the way you approached your artwork with your, your black ink that you primarily use? Yeah. I, it's really changed like how I enter into my creative practice. Um, before, it'd be easier to have maybe, like, hours of working on projects and kind of, like, sitting with the work. Um, and now I find that, like, I spend a lot of time playing with him and on the ground. And so I'm a lot more creative in different ways. Um, and I spend a lot more time thinking about the work and then having a little bit less time to actually do it. Um, but it's been, it's been really good. Um, a huge part of my practice is murals. And I've been really fortunate to have a lot of incredibly supportive clients um, that, have, that are allowed me to have my son on site with me. And so that's been really great for him to be a part of the process and um, just be with me on site. Um, I think also, too, changing materials to, like, be non-toxic since my son is with me has been a huge part of it as well. We're with artist Olivia Gooderson. And you've said before, Olivia, that primarily through the black ink, you create works that are a healing and truth-seeking investigation. Explain that a little bit more to us, if you if you will. Yeah, I think there's something really honest about kind of having a very limited palette that you work with. Um, I think there's so much that could come from just using black and white. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm multiracial. On one side, my family is Russian and Ukrainian Jewish. And then on the other side, African-American coming up from the South. Um, and so I have these like beautiful heritages and ancestries that have deep stories and ritual as well as pattern. And so me, I've, been able to find a way of incorporating both of those uh, as a way of me understanding how I'm going through the world. And so I really have a lot of 
like work that I'm working out in my art practice and just trying to understand what it means to be alive in these times. And um, yeah, so really grateful to have art to kind of assist me on this journey of figuring out like, what does it mean to be a being in, in the world? One of the things Olivia has said, I'll quote, my interest in pattern as language stems from my multiracial heritage, which inspires how the patterns relate to one another and stand alone accentuating the balance of black and white, busy and still, negative and positive, and the valid in-betweens. My line work is embedded in meticulous, instinctive wisdom. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think it really speaks to just paying homage to like my ancestors and the journeys that they've gone through and all the patterns that they brought with them. Um, yeah, I really try to embed all of that in my work. What's one of the biggest things you've learned as a business owner? Yeah, I think really being specific and intentional around like the core of what you're building or what you're doing. Um, as we've learned from this past year or so, like things can change rapidly and in ways unimaginable. But if you hold fast to the core of what you're building and doing and the purpose of it, then um, I think it'll find a way. Um, I think also as a creative person, figuring out like multiple ways of connecting with your audience and making income is really important. Whether that's like for me, I have a mural practice. I also have commissions and I also do prints of work. So sometimes one might thrive and another might be a little bit more dormant. But having like different opportunities kind of allows me to always be in a space where I'm, you know, secure and, and have opportunity. How can our listeners support your work? Yeah, um, I have a, a website. It's uh, www.midnightolive.com. And so there's, I try to keep that updated with uh, everything, um, my bios, where my shows are, and kind of work that I have available, and uh, even just opportunities to collaborate as well. Do, do you prefer being called Olive rather than Olivia? I, yeah, I think a lot of friends and uh, people close to me call me that. And so, yeah. How did Midnight olive come about what's midnight got to do with you olive? is that when you <laughs> yeah. finally have time to work it actually is I, it was uh i think giving myself like permission to kind of like drop into like a different aspect of myself and i was like oh yeah like these these nighttime hours midnight and you know like the 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 term of endearment olive which is what my friends call me so i was like this is who i am and so my creative practice really is kind of giving myself permission to step into this this version of myself that is just fully creative and is really interested in what is possible and just activating my imagination. And so I want to make work. I go under, uh, I go by the name Midnight Olive. What, and, and what would we find at your webpage? Uh, all of the projects that I'm working on now, um, all the collaborations I'm working on, some of my past works. Um, yeah, just really everything that I'm up to right now. And so we can follow you at... Uh, midnightolive.com, midnightolive.com. Find out what you have been up to, what you're in the middle of, and maybe what some of your future plans are. Uh, and uh, your first exhibition, The Space Between, at the Ann Arbor Art Center, is that still going on, or did we miss it? it it's over now, but I have a, a couple coming up. Um, I have one with Norwest Gallery coming up in September, um, I'm doing a collaboration 
at some basketball courts that are going to be opening up soon in Detroit, which I'm really excited to to share with the community. So there's a lot of really exciting things coming down. And we'll be able to follow that and your schedule and exhibitions at MidnightOlive.com. Anything else we need to know about you, Olivia? I mean, Olive? <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Um, I think I think I just hope people know that if there's something that you're passionate about, um, even if that's not what you're doing with your full-time energy, like still making time to do that is really, really important. And you never really know where life is going to take you or who's watching and witnessing because paths do open up. And, yeah, I, I just hope people feel that they can do the thing that they love and know that you can thrive in it, even if it takes time. We thank you for the inspiration, Olive. We do thank you <laughs> thank for that. Thank you so much. Nice talking with you. Good luck with your son. And uh, again, MidnightOlive.com to find the artist, Olivia Guterson, that we found here on Opportunity Detroit. Next up on Opportunity Detroit, an interesting couple who come to us as the co-founders of Bottles Nation. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I'm about to find out from Michael Botoliero, who grew up in a traditional Italian-American household on the south side of Chicago with earliest memories of wine involving a bottle of Chianti on the family table. After high school, Michael had an eight-year career in the U.S. Navy. Thank you for your service. Three in active service, five years as a reservist. Welcome to Opportunity Detroit, Michael. Hey, thank you for having us. We also have Michael's partner. Uh, proud to be among the women who helped build the web, a child of parents who immigrated in the 60s, naturally inquisitive and passionate, two traits which have served her well, as she's explored and become an expert in the digital space, if you give her a computer in a couple of hours, she can, she can and will figure everything out. I could use her and her services. Uh, and this is all the while, from what I'm told, blasting 90s music in her headphones, she being Blagitza Botoliero. Hi, Bla- Hi Paul. Hi, Blagitza. And I'm going to guess... You're not brother and sister. I'm going to guess your husband and wife. <laughs> we <correct>. are. <laughs> you never know anymore. You never know. All right. Well, I'm glad to have you both here. And I really would like to know what Bottles Nation is, just as a beginning. What is it? What does it do? And uh, who feels like going first? Uh, nice. I'll take this one. Uh, Michael, so Bottles Nation. Right. Yes. Uh, Bottles Nation is all about celebrating uh, things in a bottle. Uh, it's meant for friends, family, coworkers, and recently we've been bringing everyone together for private virtual tasting events, uh, wine, whiskey, beer, and cocktails. Anything that goes in a bottle, and you are doing, uh, even in these pandemic times, safe little tastings, I guess, private little tastings. Yes, uh, so we went 100% virtual, and uh, I we, we decided to make this move. I've, we've had this business going for uh, over 10 years, and most of that was, fa- all, almost all of it was face-to-face. Uh, of course, the pandemic hit and things kind of change. Well, how has it changed? I was, I, I, well, yeah, go ahead, uh, Blagitza. 
Yes. So um, I was consulting at the time. So I ran a digital consultancy for quite some time. And actually, Bottles Nation was in a way a client. And when the pandemic hit, all of you know Michael's events and client events stopped. And a lot of my client work was also in limbo. And so we thought, okay, what can we do? What should we do? And we looked at the possibility of converting Bottles Nation into a virtual company. But having come kind of, you know, grown up post-college in the startup tech scene in Chicago, I knew, okay, we have to go head down with this and I have to put all the focus on it. So I applied for a very small PPP loan through the consultancy, and that was able to come through. And during that time, I just buried myself in our home office, and I built the virtual background and mechanism to convert Bottles Nation from what was a really successful in-person uh, nationwide type of activity virtually. And uh, since last spring, summer, we've been at the races, and I officially came on as co-founder. I stopped consulting and have been working with the business full-on 100%. How did, how did moving your business to the city of Detroit uh, add to the equation? Oh, that's a great, great one. So as you know and mentioned, Michael and I are hitched. He is my husband, and I love him dearly. We have been coming to Detroit back and forth um, from Chicago since we've been together. Um, I moved to Chicago after college, so we were coming home quite a bit to see all my family. It's still here. My sister and my parents are here. High school friends are here. So we've kind of been you know, multi-city folks, if you will. And around that time, we just always kept track of the amazing food and beverage industry that's been popping out of Detroit. You know, I am an auto baby. Um, I interned for GM, and I worked in some capacity. I worked with Corvette Quarterly, and I worked at McCann Erickson, all about cars growing up when I was in college. And we were both so um, set back and surprised over the years with how the food and beverage scene was really coming on up. And as we contemplated a move with the pandemic, to be closer to family, it was actually Michael who uh, who had thought about changing things up and moving to Detroit. And yes, so uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'm just, I'm glad you started. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So me being a Chicago born and raised guy, um, and coming to Detroit, uh, I just saw so much activity happening here. It reminded me of Chicago just a few years back with the food scene, with the beverage scene, uh, with the tech scene. And uh, just being closer to family and being involved with all of this now, it seemed like just a natural fit for Bottles Nation. And, the, and I understand that the company has experienced tremendous growth since converting to online mm-hmm. events. But, but uh, I'll, I'll go with you, uh, So how do, how do you do online events that, that entail wine tastings and parties and all of that? We have it down to a science, Paul. Let me tell you, we are so proud of the processes we built. So depending on what you choose to partake in, and by the way, um, for folks listening, it's also mocktails. So if you're not, you know, if you don't drink alcohol, you can still partake in a Bottles Nation event. We send out what's called mocktails. When you book on our website, you pick your date and time, and we actually get the goods shipped right to the guest's home. We're able to work with our partners to get the wine, craft beer, cocktails sent to the home. And um, there's a certain date and time where we send a Zoom link, or if the client has another type of streaming link, that's fine too. And they hop on with one of our amazing, amazing experts, a sommelier for wine, Cicerone for craft beer, um, a mixologist for cocktails. And it's about an hour. The events run an hour, and we walk you through the different types and styles of the grapes or the styles of the beer. And if folks are you know, curious, we actually have a great video on the site that gives you a sneak peek into what does a tasting look like. 
and it's an interactive two-week conversation. It's not a lecture. This isn't a college hall. It is a fun way to connect with family and friends and coworkers virtually during this time. It sounds, it, it sounds, I'm making this, I'm simplifying, it sounds like one-stop safe partying. It is indeed, to be <laughs> honest. You know, no one needs to drive, and we bring it to you, and uh, we track it for you as well. We let you know what's going on with the shipment. It's really a, a one-stop shop. But we also know, and, you know, God willing, you know, things are going to change this summer uh, with the, the pandemic, and we can be out and about again. And uh, we will continue doing the virtual component of the business, but we do plan on having our experts, um, all the experts Michael vetted and chose who are on the team, we will work to enable folks to be in person again. So we'll so, be able so, to send out experts to your home. So does that, but that, okay, so it's the plan, at least right now, is mm-hmm. not for people to be actually coming to your headquarters uh, inside Bamboo, Detroit, at 1420 Washington Boulevard. Correct. It, that, correct. That, 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 that okay. is correct. Okay. So I, I just but you can wave. About that. You can wave from the street, and we'll say hello. We're there. You can say hello to us. <laughs> There's no event. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Uh, all right. Now, I have to say, Blagitza, uh, uh, you uh, just educated me. I love learning new things, and maybe I'm the last person to... Uh, just learn this. I certainly know of sommeliers. I am very aware. I'm certainly aware of mixologists. Probably I heard that longer ago when that's what the fancy name for bartenders, mixologists. I have never heard the the term Cicerones regarding apparently their expertise in craft beer, Michael? Yes, uh, this is something that's uh, kind of more recent than sommeliers. But these are the sommeliers of beer. These are people who can tell you exactly how beer is made from start to finish. Uh, everything about the differences between draft beer to canned beer to bottled beer and every single style therein. We have uh, ex Cicerones, uh, advanced Cicerones on the team who have tried basically every single beer that's out there on the shelf. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, I, uh, we, here we have uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up. We'll have our WJR Paul W. Smith annual St. Patrick's Day party, it will be virtual. And a lot of people will be having virtual St. Patrick's Day parties. And I understand you have a big virtual event for St. Patrick's Day uh, coming up. Can you tell us more about it, Blagitza? Of course. So on March 17th, we will be having our two, one of our, two of our Cicerones, uh, Dan and Bo, walking guests through six different types of Irish beer. And um, consumers have the opportunity to participate one of two ways. You can have us get the beer to your home, so we can send the beer to your house, or we can do BYO beer, bring your own beer, and you can still participate in the event. It's on the 17th from 7 to 8.30, and the guys will walk you through different styles of Irish beer, how it's made, what makes it different. And it is a public event. Uh, There's a link on the website um, that you can click on, the St. Patrick's Day event. And, of course, you know, anyone could participate. Uh, I will say, ladies, craft beer is not just for men. Uh, there are plenty of ladies who enjoy beer. And we're really excited to have this is our second public event. The first one we did was last month for Galentine's Day, celebrating friendship. And this is our way to enable folks to come to a Bottles Nation event if you're not having you know, a corporate, private party organized for you or a birthday party. You can still get a vibe and a feel for what we do from a public standpoint. What a great uh, idea, and what a great way to give this company uh, a shot. I mean, really, uh, going to BottlesNation.com or BottlesNation on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, 
uh, a way to have a one-stop safe St. Patrick's Day party and have somebody who's going to basically host it virtually for you or come to you if you prefer, but virtually, and uh, and and you learn a lot. I'm sure that your 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 cicerones um, and uh, and the people involved, if you're doing wine and the sommeliers, will be able to teach people a lot. So it'll be an extra fun occasion for St. Patrick's Day, not just drinking green beer and and other stuff. <laughs> that is true. So, uh, yeah, uh, green beer can be fun, uh, but we've got a lot more serious stuff that we're sending to people's homes. Uh, Dan and Bo are very uh, charming hosts, and they're gonna, everyone that joins us is going to have a lot of fun, guaranteed, and get a lot of information. They can ask questions, uh, interact with other people that they don't even know or have never met before, or just tell their friends, hey, join in with me on this. Well, it sounds like an excellent idea. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. I'm glad you're basing yourself inside Bamboo Detroit at 1420 Washington Boulevard, but you're reaching out to people uh, online. You've got an online expert in Blagitsa uh, and an expert in the other areas uh, with Michael. They are, yes, indeed, a uh, happily hitched, I think as you put it, uh, Blagitsa, uh, that you're happily hitched and uh, working together on this program. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? Sure, just a few things. You know, we are exclusively doing just virtual events for the next few months, so there, there won't be an, an in-person option until, you know, months from now. I, I should and have said you, they, that you will send the beer or spirits if needed. I, I should have yes. made that clear. No worries. Okay. Um, and the last thing, you know, grapes, wine, wine is made from grapes. And we do have different events that we run, but what we take pride in is, you know, the, the depth of knowledge of the staff Michael picked and chose. But at the same time, wine is something that is for everyone who wants to enjoy it. You know, 97 to 98% of the wine purchased in the United States is around that $14, $15 price point. But many folks don't realize what wines to pick. You know, I call it the, the wall of wine when I go to Kroger or the grocery store. There's so many to choose from. And part of what we do with Bottles Nation is to educate the public and let folks not be so intimidated by wine. It's been, it's been around for thousands of years. It is from a grape. It's a lovely thing, and we don't want folks to think that it's not for them. There's many price points, many ways to enjoy it, and at Bottles Nation, we aim to help you understand it better and add something to your daily home collection. Nicely put and a nice wrap-up. Uh, you go to BottlesNation.com. You can follow them at BottlesNation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, why, not, uh, why not start with their St. Patrick's Day party? Go online, BottlesNation.com, get all the details. And thank you to Michael and Blagitsa Botoliero for uh, being the co-founders of Bottles Nation, for choosing Detroit, and for letting us know all about it on Opportunity Detroit. Thank you, Michael and Blagitsa. Thank you. It was a thank pleasure. You, thank you for having us. It's our pleasure learning about uh, Bottles Nation on WJR. And that's it for today's Opportunity Detroit. And we especially thank you for following us along the way. And I hope you'll listen to me Monday through Friday mornings on WJR as well. Regards, Paul W. Smith.